Welcome to Oikos. How are you guys doing? Awesome. So we are in this series, and this week it's called Called to Die. Doesn't that sound awesome? Well, it's something about the truth of Jesus that I think hits us and we don't often want to talk about, and that's death. We want to kind of push that aside, but Jesus always kept it front and center with his disciples because he knew that death on this earth did not mean the end. In fact, his death would mean the beginning for many. And so he kept it in front of them. Um, last week we talked, we had Frank Hart, if you missed him, make sure you go online, check out the message. He did a great job giving a message to us from New Church about prophecy. Are you all a prophet? Hey, if you've ever spoken the word of God to somebody, you were a prophet to them. If you've never spoken the word of God to somebody, I'd want you to just stop for a second and ask yourself, have I really not ever told anyone that God loves them? Have I not really ever told anyone that he has a purpose for them? That is a messenger of God, is a prophet. This morning, my wife, Sarah, was a prophet to me on the way to Oikos. And so I want you to go ahead and pull out your Bibles because she changed the message this morning so slightly, but so importantly. Um, there's a reading that we do. This is, the staff does this, but then we've extended this out to other people as well. It's called the Moravian Text, and they just send out an email message every day. And in the reading this morning, your bad pastor didn't read this one section. I read the other section. I just stayed in James. And she and we often talk about what we've been reading. And so she goes, well, did you read the Mark passage? And I said, no, I just read the James. And she's like, well, the Mark passage was perfect. She had no idea what my message was about. That doesn't sound good. We never really talk about the message. <laughs> but she had no idea what the message was going to be about because she was preparing for CNK Kids. But she was going to relate it to Jonah and how important it is to remember that the message of God it supersedes your direction for your life. So Mark chapter 8, verse 34. The reason why I'm telling you to look at your Bibles is because it won't be up there, obviously, because this was a last-minute change. You'll find Mark in the New Testament towards the end of the Bible. So I used one of the Bibles from Oikos just so that you can find it. It's right here towards the end, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, third gospel, chapter 8, probably going to be very hard, which I realize we tell people to use these, but it's so dark in here that it's very difficult to read. So I'm going to read it out loud for you. What had happened here is Peter had just talked to Jesus. Jesus had informed his disciples that they, that he was going to die. Peter's like, no, no, you don't need to. And he said, get behind me, Satan. And then he goes on. This is Jesus in verse 34. Thank you for the lights, by the way, guys. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit 
if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Ah, so... Again, you're a bad pastor. I mean, this verse is paramount to the message today. So thanks be to God that he used my wife this morning to make sure it was read. As we talk about call to die, we are in the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 21. And this is Paul who's called to die. If you remember last week from the prophecy message, he had many prophets, one Agabus, kind of a, very dramatic prophet speak to him about not going to Jerusalem. And then he had three girls who were not married yet, probably because they were kind of weird because they were prophets. So they weren't married yet, and they prophesied, don't go to Jerusalem. It's going to bring your death. And he said, no, I have to. I have to go. So in verse 13 of chapter 21, he said, why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. This is a direct reflection of the words of Jesus when he was in the garden and he was trying to figure out how would he go further than the, the journey he had already completed. How could he go to the cross? How could he be separated from his father? Because it was a realization that he didn't want to have. Because he loved his father. They were one. Remember the Trinity? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In his death, he'd be separated. And so he cries out in Luke chapter 22. So the same author of Acts records the words of Jesus here. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And as we know about Jesus, he continues. Even though he knows it's going to be arduous and, and painful, he continues through the cross. And so Paul remembers the example of Jesus, and he says, where he leads, I will follow. Now that is the same call that the Lord gives to each of us. Have you thought about that? Paul is no greater disciple than you, and no less. If you follow Jesus, if you say, I follow Jesus, this call is as important for your life as it is or was for his. So verse 26. So Paul went to the temple the next day with other men. They had already started the purification ritual, so he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and the sacrifices would be offered for each of them. They were going to go ahead and go through this Nazarene rite. And the reason why they're going to do that is because there's this rumor going around that Paul wasn't really for the Jews, and he was actually going to try to upend everything in the Jewish culture. And so he went through this 
to kind of stop those rumors. The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against them. They grabbed him, yelling, Men of Israel, help us. This is a man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles his holy place by bringing in Gentiles. For earlier that day, they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. So these Jews were not the Jews who were following the words and the works and the ways of Jesus. They were not converted Jewish people who were now followers of the way. These were Jews from the provinces that he had just come from, from Asia Minor and from Ephesus, and they tried to kill him there, and they didn't succeed. And so they were now coming to Jerusalem for a great celebration at the temple, and they see the guy that they tried to kill and failed. And they were mad. And so they take what is not the truth, they take an assumption, and they twist it to rouse the mob so that everyone would begin this shouting to kill Paul, which again is another reflection of the time of Jesus. When they started saying free, free, Barnabas, free Barabbas instead of, not Barnabas, Barnabas was a really good guy. Free Barabbas killed Jesus. A direct reflection. And Paul is in the middle of this. Now the temple was located very close to the fortress. And so in verse 30 we see the whole city was rocked by these accusations and a great riot followed all over Paul. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, Word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all of Jerusalem was up in an uproar, was in an uproar. Paul was ready to go into Jerusalem, and if you can step into his shoes just briefly, he knew this was going to happen. So if the whole crowd begins to uproar, and if you can imagine people grabbing at him and beginning to try to kill him, what was happening. He's being kicked. He's probably being stretched. He's being stamped on. Shouts were coming at him. If people had something in their hand to club him with, they're going to club him. I would think, well, this is the end. And I had already been told that this would be my end if I came here. But for whatever reason, and we'll find out very shortly, Paul was willing to risk everything because he believed the Lord had said, you must go. So why was death not Paul's greatest fear? Because obviously he faced it. Why is it ours? And some of you may disagree with me. You may go, oh, I'm not scared. I'm not scared of death. But for the vast majority of people, that is the number one fear. 
So why was Paul able to go somewhere where he knew he was going to die and then face this? And we'll soon find out, not face it, the crowd and go, I recant, I recant, I don't believe in any of this. I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew, I'm fine, I'm good, just leave me alone. No, he continues in on his mission. He's focused. I think to get a better understanding of this, we have to look at his writing to the Corinthian church. Now remember, the Corinthian church is very close to the way I would project America and Houston today. Great wealth, lots of resources, smart people, educated, can accomplish anything, but really messed up lives. Lives very far from following God. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is a sting that results in death and the law that gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Isn't that an awesome last phrase? Nothing you ever do for the Lord is useless. When Paul is in Jerusalem, he doesn't even know what he's going to get to do. He has been prophesied that he's going to die, but he's willing to face death because he knows that nothing that he does is useless when it's done for the Lord. He's willing to face what is, for most of us, our greatest fear. And I think if we step in and you had a bunch of people go, don't go to Nebraska or you're going to die. No, wait, because you guys would say, okay. Um, don't go to, da no, Dallas won't work either. Don't, don't go to the Bahamas. Don't go to Aruba. Don't go to your best place. Because Jerusalem, honestly, it was the temple. I mean, Paul loved Jerusalem. But don't go there because you're going to die. You would still say, you go, okay. I'm not going to go. If I'm going to die there, there's no need of getting into that. And even if you decided, well, I really like the Bahamas, so maybe I'll just kind of fly in and have a flight ready in case I need to get out of there. I would think most of us, once we started hearing the mob, would do whatever we could to get out of that situation. There's no way we would stay. There's no way we would want 
to have pain come our direction. At least that's me. I think my faith would become weak in that moment. I don't like being hit. I can't imagine having a mob come and try to grab me with the intention to kill me. So why was Paul so fervent, so steadfast, so solid that he was okay? A week ago, one of our members, Jean Gloria, he passed away. Late Saturday night or early Sunday morning, we don't have the exact time. But he passed away. And one of the things for Jean is that he was ready to see Jesus. His faith was solid. He was facing death. Now he prayed, he didn't pray, could a mob come and kill me? He prayed, could I die in my in my sleep. And the Lord granted him that request. But he knew that there was something much bigger and much better waiting for him. And so he faced death and he did so gracefully. So do you know what's waiting for you? Do you know what's waiting for you? That's not rhetorical. Do you know what's waiting for you? Not really, you don't, right? Do you know what's better? Yeah. Do you believe it? So that day, Paul knew it, he believed it, and the rest of the story is that he did not die that day. He was saved once again. This wasn't the first time that he had come close to death, but it was closing in on the last time. What had happened was that this temple and all the mob that was shouting was so close to the, the Roman fortress Antonia that they probably were able to hear the mob from where they were sitting. And within this fortress, there was a thousand Roman soldiers. Probably around 250 of them were cavalry, and the others were all foot soldiers. They totally got this regiment out and began to push back the crowd. This is in verse 32. He immediately, he immediately called out his soldiers and officers. This is the, off, you know, the officer. Ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and his troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Some shouted one thing and some another. Since he couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and confusion, he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent, the soldiers had to fit or lift him to their so, so, uh, shoulders to protect him. And the crowd followed behind, shouting, Kill him! Kill him! Even in the middle of this, Paul didn't lose sight of his mission because he knew whatever he did for the Lord would not be forgotten. It was not useless. He was on a mission to help people experience Jesus, and as they experienced Jesus, disciple them so that they could lead others to Jesus as well. No matter what danger he's in, 
No matter what he faced, he was willing to do it. So the question for us today is what is possible if we stop fearing death and we begin trusting Jesus? There's a lot to unpack there for you. What is possible? I want you to start thinking about what have you not done because you feared death? And for some of us, it's not just death. It's the things that lead to death. Pain. Fear. Tiredness. Loneliness. What have you not done because you fear death? And what has God invited you in in trusting Jesus? Where is he open a door of opportunity? But in order to walk through it, you have to trust Jesus. Because as you walk through that door, there's a possibility of fear, rejection, pain, or perhaps even death. I bet if you start thinking and listing out some things, you can at least come up with three. Three things that you've said, mm, no, I'm not doing that. What I believe is possible when you stop fearing death and you begin trusting Jesus is that it brings a possibility to a person to actually experience Jesus through you. In the part of town, in the part of Houston that you're scared to go to. Now that can be because you're scared to go into that neighborhood. It could be because you're scared so you don't know what to say to the people once you get there. It could be because you don't like them. It could be your neighbor you don't want to talk to. In the moment that you stop fearing and you start trusting, it brings possibility that that person may experience Jesus through you. Now, I'll tell you, that's a life changer because when one person experiences Jesus, you have unleashed the kingdom of heaven. That's what happened with Paul. He hated Jesus. He would have been one of these people in the mob leading them to kill this guy, to kill himself. But because he experienced Jesus, he decided to unleash what the Lord did through him, which is establish the church for Christ, that even the greatest authority on earth, the Roman Empire, could not stop. So think about that one person that you're not willing to go talk to or that one area of town you're not willing to walk into because of fear. What would happen? I think it brings hope to the person who's dying in the hospital that you're too fearful to go and see. It brings opportunity to future relationships because instead of being self-centered and worried about your own fears, 
or your own safety. Oh yeah, I'm radical. I am. Because I think sometimes we get too fixated on my own safety, my own family's problems, my own stuff. That we disregard what I just read at the very beginning of this message. That's why that's paramount to this message. Because Jesus calls us to be bigger and bolder than what we currently are. He says, if anyone will not pick up their cross and follow me, right? We can't just glance over that and go, well, he didn't mean really. He meant follow me in your comfort. Follow me the way you are. And I'll tell you, this is what I'm really excited about. And I'm going to point it out. So get ready. Some of the Palacios family, amen to you. Alex, amen to you. Because there's a Texans game. <laughs> and Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me beyond some of the other things that you love. There's some of you that you've got a lot going on in your life right now, but you're here this morning, and I want to say amen to you. Because you decided that the things that are going on right now are less important than you coming and hearing the words of Jesus, listening to him speak to you, and then deciding what you need to do about it. Amen to you. The things you do for God are not useless. You know why people stop coming to church? Because they think it's useless. You know why they think it's useless? Because they've gotten off mission. Because they become fixated on my problem. Oh, I don't have a job. I'm going to spend all this other time doing other things, but on Sunday morning, I've got to look for a job. I can't be there. Oh, my house is a wreck. I have to go out with my friends on Friday night, but Sunday morning, it's free game. Right? Don't even look at me like, oh, that's not me. <laughs> this is what we do. Oh, I'm not feeling well. I can definitely make it to work, though. But not to church. No, that's too much. I got to sit in a chair. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I being too rough? I just, as I thought about picking up your cross, actually being present with the people that said, we love you and we want to be with you, is probably one of the most important things for you to do. Because the moment you stop doing that, I think this is the moment that you begin leaving the cross behind because it's too difficult to do by yourself. It's too hard. And if we are called to die for Jesus, to stay on mission for Jesus, I wouldn't want to do that alone. So Paul, he knew that if he stayed on mission, it would bring opportunity maybe to just one more person or maybe to several. 
but he saw this opportunity, and we'll see this next week, that he takes this time not just to be protected by the Roman authority that's ushering him out of this crazy event, but he actually stops the guy and says, can I have a word with these people who hate me? Can I speak to them? Not so that they can love me, but I need to tell them about Jesus. He would write in just a chapter before this in chapter 20. He says in verse 24, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. What would happen if we were so on mission, we knew what our purpose was for God? It would put your job as secondary. It would put the things that you love to do as secondary. Because all of a sudden, your purpose for God would be primary. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. This purpose, guess what? Because you might have been thinking when I said, what if we knew what our purpose was? And you may have been thinking, yeah. If I knew my purpose, then I could just get into it. Guess what? Your purpose is this. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. We have the same purpose. may sound boring, but guess what? That's our purpose. Are you into that purpose? So guess what? That purpose is actually scary. How many of you think it's scary? Those of you that did not raise your hand, you are lying in church again. Because when I, take, when I have an opportunity to talk to any one of you, and I think I've spoken to every one of you at some point about sharing the good news of Jesus, and you look at me with your eyes, and you're like, not going to happen. Not in that place. You don't understand my workplace, my school, my family. Now, God would have worked his kingdom somehow. He didn't have to have Paul. But Paul got to share in this because he accepted the opportunity to serve the Lord. Because he accepted that opportunity to serve the Lord, he got to share in really being recorded in history for all of us to read about. What would your life look like if you accepted the opportunity to share the good news without the fear of death, but simply trusting in Jesus? I'll tell you, it's much better than any purpose of being the best in your field of work or being loved by your family or watching a thousand Texans games. Stay with me, Alex. <laughs> it's much better than a thousand things we can think of. And the reason why we don't realize it's much better is because we don't do it.
There's no greater joy than sharing the good news of Jesus with someone. Whether they're weak in faith, or you're encouraging them because they're strong in faith, or they have no faith, and they start to see a glimpse of who Jesus is. There's no better thing. And the reason why you walk around and you're crazy and you have anxiety and everything's not going right and your family isn't good and this doesn't happen or you're stressed out is because you forgot the purpose. You can have a 4.0 in school, and guess what? If you forgot the purpose of Jesus, you're going to be stressed out and crazy for the rest of your life. For those of you who are not quite there yet and you don't, you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing, that's okay. But I bet you could look at your life right now and go, there are things I wish were better. And I'll tell you, faith in Jesus it doesn't change your circumstance, but it does change your perspective. And you start seeing things not as tragedies and losses, but everything is a gain. Because you stop looking at yourself, and you start looking out here. For everyone that follows Jesus is a victory. And that's what I want our church to be. We're not counting people and trying to figure out, can we be the biggest church in Houston? I want us to be a discipling church in Houston. We want to share Jesus. Amen? Amen. We want to die for Jesus. We want to die for Jesus. So your reluctancy is normal. Begin that prayer and say, Jesus, what you have for me is greater than anything I can achieve. I will lose my life because in losing my life, I gain a life with you. We don't really die. Gene didn't really die because he has life with Jesus. He is moving on. But we will see him again. And when Jesus comes again, we are not just floating spirits for the rest of our days. So I hope you get that out of your heads. It's not like you get little wings and you fly up to heaven and you float around in clouds and that's heaven. Because that would be a crying shame. How ridiculous would that be? like bouncing on clouds for the rest of eternity, that doesn't even sound fun. This is what his plan is, is that we die and we are with him in spirit. When Jesus comes again, our bodies are raised just like Jesus in perfection. And what he started here on earth, the glimpses that we see when Kevin's out there fishing and he's, he sees these beautiful sights, those are glimpses of what God intended. When you're out at a Texans game and you're loving it and you have complete joy, that's what God intended. 
That's what he has planned for us. So the moment you die in faith in Jesus, you begin to see the end picture. And that's why you can give your life for him. I'm ready to die for Jesus. I'm ready to die for Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us this time to come to you and listen to your words and your heart sayings. Place them on our life for real and not let them just be words. Lord, I pray that this week and the weeks coming that you give us opportunities to step into areas where we fear. Whether we fear for our safety or we fear for our own personal significance of approval or whatever we're fearing, that you would help us step into those places of fear and trust in you that we stay on mission of sharing your good news. That because you died for us, we have been given an open door to walk with you for the rest of our lives. Help us to follow you, Lord. Simply walk with you. to let you work on us, change us, make us better than we are, to take our stress away as we refocus on what we're here for and our purpose. In your name we pray, amen.